Okay, everybody take a seat if you can find one. We're so excited to get to be here with you guys. But we are gonna go ahead and get started. Um, my name is Kat Leach, and I'm so excited to get to be with you guys today. Uh, yeah, I'm like, this is Ryan O'Sullivan. She's one of my besties and is on staff at Missouri State. So this is really fun for us to get to do together. Ryan, I actually knew Ryan as a non-believer and as a student um, through one of my best friends. And then gradually over time, we became best friends. And so this is her standing next to me on my wedding day. And then Ryan is also my adventure friend. So this just gets added to all the adventures we've done together <laughs> of giving a all-girls breakout, but going on a sailboat, biking, all the things. So, but we are really excited to get to be with you guys today. Uh, a little bit about me. We won't spend too long on intros, but I have been on staff for 10 years, and most of those years I spent in the Ozarks at the University of Arkansas. Um, <laughs> And I will forever and always love that place. Um, I miss it so much. I miss the mountains and the fall leaves and all the fun outdoorsy things. But now I get to call the wonderful flat place of Norman, Oklahoma home. <laughs> and I have also grown to love that place, uh, especially because what brought me there is this guy right here. Um, I got married almost a year ago. Uh, and yeah, his name's Jeremy Leach and he's the best. If you see him around, make sure to say hi to him. And we are expecting a little baby girl literally due in less than one month, y'all. So <laughs> I'm like, we're on the home stretch. Uh, I've been praying I would not go into labor while at SMC, so y'all can join me in that prayer. <laughs> um, but that would be pretty epic if that happened during this breakout, so we'll see. <laughs> I have also been praying that Kat does not go into labor. But I'm Ryan, like Caddy said, and I went to Missouri State and am now on staff there. As you can see in this top picture, I live really close to campus with four other girls, and it's so fun getting to live in a house full of girls. We love to have people over to our house. A lot of the most state girlies have probably been there. Um, and one of the things that we're really into this year is we love having like little dinner parties or fun brunches, and we're all about the vibe. So we got the candles, and we actually burn our taper candles, um, the napkins, the fun glasses, all of it, uh, we're all about the vibes. Also, with a house full of five girls means five closets, which is so fun, and I would like to say that I kind of bring the shoe closet to the arsenal, so love shoes, any type of shoes, sneakers, heels, boots, I'm there all across the board. I also, kind of like what Caddy was saying, in my free time, I like to be active, play sports, be outside, and I love getting to go to my different friends' sporting events at Missouri State. And so you're going to hear a lot more about Caddy and I's stories just kind of all throughout the talk, but honestly, there's so much to talk about on this topic, and so we're going to jump right in. But first, I want to, if you know what I'm about to say, I want to hear it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it really is true. Our TV shows, they glorify the idea of toxic relationships. The movies we watch set unrealistic expectations of what love should look like. And the sexual tension can literally be felt at every single party you go to, and they're in most conversations on the college campus. Sex, and all things sex, surrounds us. It's everywhere. 
our world is clouding us with so much information. So when we have questions about sex, where are we supposed to go? Is it TikTok? Is it friends? Is it just Googling answers? It's so clear that we all so deeply are desiring the best we've ever had, but all we're finding in this world around us is broken answers. Sexuality, and this is the very first blank on your handout, sexuality is your sexual feelings, thoughts, attractions, and behaviors towards other people. Your thoughts, or your feelings, thoughts, attractions, and behaviors towards other people. So sexuality is a part of all of our lives. Um, sexuality does include sexual in intercourse, but it also includes other examples like pornography, masturbation, same-sex attraction, fantasy, whatever it is relating to our sex drive. So we're kind of going to start out here, and we're just going to talk about what does the world have to say about sex? I'm going to read us through a few stats, and I'm going to tell you what the world has to say about sex. You want sex before? Okay. 34% of women 18 to 30 watch porn at least once a month. 62.9% of women ages 15 to 19 have had sex. Over half of the women in the United States masturbate. 61% of Americans see casual sex outside of a relationship as acceptable. 50% of marriages will end in a divorce. And at least one-fourth of this room has been a victim to sexual violence. And before, we want, before we go on, I do just want to stop here for a second and say that if this is true of you, oh, I really am so sorry. This was not part of God's plan for your life, and this is not his design. So I want you to know that as we go through this and we talk about God's design for our sexuality, I really want you to know and I want you to believe that this thing that has happened to you, it was not your choice and it was not your fault. And as we do talk about the choices that we make in regards to our sexuality, I want you to know that that was not one of them that you made. Okay, so we're going to go on. We're going to go on a little science lesson really quick. Um, Oxytocin. It's a chemical in our body, and as you see, it's a bonding hormone. It's a bonding hormone. Oxytocin is actually the hormone that is released whenever a mom and a baby, or a mom is breastfeeding a baby. And so you'll kind of, sometimes if you hear people talk about a reason they would want to breastfeed, it's because they talk, it talks about like the connection that a mom can have between a baby. Well, the connection comes from this hormone called oxytocin. Oxytocin is also released during sex. This is a little inside information, too, is that this same hormone, oxytocin, is directly linked to the intensity of an orgasm. So oxytocin is released between a mom and a baby, and it helps a mom love her baby when a baby is, like, screaming its head off all day, and the mom is, wants to go crazy. Why does she love the baby? Oxytocin. <laughs> But oxytocin is also put in place for two people to fall in love, to enjoy sex, and for a husband and a wife to be able to overlook flaws when day in and day out they're annoying the crap out of each other. <laughs> it helps them bond. So oxytocin really is a cool thing that God made and put inside each of us as women. But what happens when oxytocin is released during a hookup or 
a one-night stand, or even an image on a screen. It bonds us. See, that's the thing with oxytocin. It's not just reserved for one day down the road whenever you're with Mr. Right. The thing with oxytocin is it's released during any of these times during sexual activity. So it can become really dangerous because all of a sudden, oxytocin is released in these one-night stands or whatever it is, and what happens when that's no longer a thing or you break up with a boyfriend or whoever it is, there's a lot of potential for damage or hurt through this. Over time, if we keep bonding in ways like this, it will ultimately kind of hinder our ability to bond with somebody later down the road in a way that God has designed it to be. But there's good news because God is a redeemer, and so he can and he will redeem this one day. So whether it's stats or science, it's obvious that we're being impacted around the world around us, and we all have our own views and our own mentalities on sexuality. A lot of times our views or our mentalities can be shaped by the way we grew up, our upbringing. Um, They can be shaped by even our friend group and what our friend group talks about or the college campus that we go to. So we're going to kind of talk about two different viewpoints that you can have on sexuality. I guess there's a few more than two, but there's kind of two sides that you can have in your response to sexuality. So kind of the first viewpoint and the side that you can have in regards to sexuality is just the why not. Hey, sex is not going to matter. The sex I have tonight is not going to matter in three years, four years, whatever it is, so just why the heck not? The sex feels good. Sex, anything that has to do with sexual activity, it feels good, it's pleasurable, it's enjoyable, and it's up to me. You have no say on what I do with my sex life. You don't control me. Sex is my decision, and it's up to me. And maybe you're in here like, actually, I don't really know if any of those are me. Well, there's also the other side that you could have in response to sexuality. And maybe this side is a little bit more shaped um, through an upbringing of the purity culture or even a youth group you could have grown up in. And this side is just the sex is dirty. Like, ugh, sex, anything that has to do with sex is dirty. No, no, no. The don't mention sex. Like, do not even think about it. If you talk about it, if you mention anything about it, like, that's bad. Don't mention it. And the sex is wrong. I know I'm not supposed to really do it. I don't really know the reasons why or why not. I just know that sex is wrong. So for a second, I want you to kind of talk about with the people beside you, which of these mentalities do you happen or do you tend to fall into? It's not a secret that our world is sexually broken. I mean, I think that's something that we could all agree on. But I want you to know really quick before we continue to go more into this is that Caddy and I, we're not here to condemn you, we're not here to judge you, and we're not here to just give you stats. But I do want us all to be able to see, and I think that we can see, that we are all sexually broken. And I remember the first time I heard that, and I was like, don't tell me that. Like, I'm not sexually broken. But what do I mean when I say this word sexually broken? Sexual brokenness is anything that has taken us outside of God's design for our sexuality. So it's anything that has taken us out of God's design for our sexuality. In the beginning, God had a design for our sexuality, and it was perfect. But when sin entered the world, just like everything else, God's 
design for sexuality, sin entered into that as well, and it became broken, and it became skewed. And so whether you've experienced sexual brokenness through one of the lists of things we talked about earlier, whether it's hookups, whether it's same-sex attraction, pornography, masturbation, fantasy, whatever it is, or you've just viewed sexuality through one of the sick mentalities that we've had earlier, all of these things are just proof that our world is not living up to what we want it to be and that our sexuality has not been the best that we could have ever imagined as God has designed it to be. So please don't hear this and think, oh, crap, well, it's too little too late, I've already messed up, I've already done that, or I've watched way too many hours of porn for my mind to ever be free. Sexual purity isn't just like this state of being or this state of like, okay, well, I've arrived and I'm here. But sexual purity is a continual pursuit. And so that's good news for you. It's good news for me and Caddy because that's something that we can start right now. That's something that we can start today. Your past does not have to define you, and the brokenness of the world does not have to define your experience of sexuality. In John 8, there's a story that actually talks about a woman and her sexual brokenness. And so this woman... She was caught in the act of adultery, and at the time, the punishment for adultery was actually to be stoned to death. And so the city leaders, and even the religious leaders at the time, they took this woman, and they took her in front of Jesus while he was in front of a crowd, and they're like, we're going to get her. And I don't know the exact crowd that it was like, but honestly, (laughs) I can imagine it would be something like this, of two people standing in stage in front of a large crowd. And so whenever the city leaders, they bring this girl to Jesus, they're like, this is what she's done. What do you have to say? What are you going to do to her? And Jesus stops, and he looks at the city leaders, and he looks at the crowd, and I would imagine that he said it like this. All right, but let the first one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And one by one, they all started to walk away until there wasn't a crowd anymore, and it was just Jesus and this woman. And so he looks at her, and he's like, where are your accusers? Is there one person here left to condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. And so isn't that good news? Jesus knew everything that this woman had done, and he knows every single thing that we have done that's gone against his design for our sexuality, but he doesn't condemn us. But it's even better than that. Jesus doesn't just say, I don't condemn you, see ya. But he says, I don't condemn you either, now go. Live a life free of sin. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that Jesus offers a life free of sin that is way better than anything we could ever imagine. Jesus doesn't condemn us for the things that we have done, and he offers us a better solution that we get to walk in freedom and joy and peace whenever we follow Jesus' design. And so, really quick with the people next to you, discuss this question. Is there anything new that you have learned about sexuality from what we've covered so far? I know that there's so much we could talk about, so keep, keep the conversation going even after this. But So today, uh, I just want to start the conversation for you guys. There's so many things um, that we could talk about on this topic. And really, Ryan and I could give you our opinions all day, um, but what we want is to tell you what Scripture says. That's what I wish that I would have known growing up. I wish that I would have known what God said. 
about sexuality because he's the one who designed it in the first place. And so we just want to give you some viewpoints that it talks about in the Bible. And then with someone who's older than you, with somebody who leads you spiritual, we want you to continue to like have these conversations and continue to talk about it. And so we're going to start with what God says about sexuality. So we've seen what the world says. Now we're going to see what God says about it. Um, and I want to give you guys four biblical views on sexuality. Uh, and this is also my shameless plug. A lot of what I learned with this, you guys, came from Cleo Women's Time. Uh, that was kind of whenever this conversation first started for me. Uh, was really, while I was there for the summer, there's this thing called Girls' Time, and it happens every single week. And it's really, really fun and, like, all things pink, girly. But it's you talk about topics like this. And that's really where my mindset began to change on sexuality. So that's my shameless plug for Women's Time at Cleo, but Cleo's whole. Uh, but view number one is that God made sexuality and made us sexual beings. So God made sexuality and made us sexual beings. Genesis 1, 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 1, 28. What this is saying, you guys, literally, this is the first command in the Bible. Basically, what God is saying is he tells Adam and Eve, okay, go have sex and have a lot of babies. That's like, that's exactly what this is saying. And so we don't have to be ashamed that we have sexual desires. We don't have to be ashamed that we have a sex drive. Like, God literally made it that way. That, is, that was his intention to fill the entire earth, to make people that are like him in his image, was through sex and sexuality. And so, that's the basic, that's the first one. Um, the second view is that God has a design for sex, and it points to him. God has a design for sex, and it points to him. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, uh, says, For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So what we just saw in the Genesis verses is that God created sex and sexuality, and now it's going to take it a step further in the New Testament and say, hey, actually sexuality and sex is supposed to show us things about God. It's supposed to mirror God for us. If you're anything like me, whenever I heard that, I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> I just like, what? How does that actually work? How does sex mirror God? Because honestly, I'm like, I would have told you growing up, I would have been like, I don't know, like, God created me, sure, like, but maybe not the vagina and maybe not the boobs. <laughs> because I'm like, it just like seemed weird. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that was part of that. But I'm like, no, like God intended to create those things. And really, it's all supposed to mirror him. And so basically what this means is there's a book in the Bible. It's the last book of the Bible, and it's called Revelation. And it talks about what will happen whenever Jesus returns, which he promises to do. And so in scripture, any believer is referred to as the bride of Christ. So if you have trusted in Christ, if you're walking with him, you are part of the bride of Christ. And in Revelation, what we see is that Jesus, when he comes back, there's actually this huge wedding feast, you guys. Like, it's massive. And it's going to be so fun. Like, think about the best wedding you've ever seen. 
in a movie or on TV or something, I literally, I always think about Crazy Rich Asians, like the, all the, y'all you know, know what I'm talking about, like the water that's spilling down. <laughs> Um, I think about that, and I'm like, this wedding will blow that wedding out of the water, and it's going to be amazing, because what it's saying is, okay, Jesus is going to come back. He's coming back for us that are following him, and there will be this huge wedding to celebrate, because we never have to be separated from him again, and really, we get this tiny, tiny glimpse of that in marriage, um, because that is God's design, and so whenever you see a godly couple, a godly marriage, and they're loving each other, they're committed to each other, they're having sex in God's design, it's supposed to point us to that wedding that is to come whenever Jesus comes back. And it's supposed to help us to look towards that and be excited for that to come. So again, God has a design for sex, and it actually points to him. Discuss for a second with the people around you, have you ever thought about the fact that God created our sexuality, and how does this change the way that you view sexuality? Okay, you guys, we're going to keep on going. Our third viewpoint is that God has created our sexuality, and it is good. God has created our sexuality, and it is good. So he's created it, he, points, he has it mirror him, and it's also good. That's one of the descriptions that God gives it. So in the Bible, uh, the Bible actually talks about two different kinds of sex. So it's not just the world that came up with this. God knew it before even the ages began. And the first word, um, or the first kind of sex that it talks about in the Bible is yadah. So this is a Hebrew word which is what the Bible was written in way long ago. And basically, yadah just means to know and to be known. It's intimate. And this is the type of sex that the Bible refers to whenever it's between a man and a woman. Now, the really crazy thing is this is also the type of love that is referred to whenever it talks about God and his people, um, that he intimately knows them and loves them. And so I know that we all want to experience that kind of love, but in the Bible there's also a different kind, and it's called shakab. Um, again, Hebrew word, shakab, though. Uh, and it basically is a substitute of phony or fake love. And this type of love is used any time that it's talked about rape, adultery, or sex outside of marriage. So yada and shakab. And so God knew, uh, thanks. God knew that there would be just a temptation for us to want to do it not his way, right? Um, really, in 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, it says everything God created is good. And so whenever we're doing things in his design, it is good. But whenever we go outside of that, we don't get to experience this yada type of love. There's actually a book, and it's called uh, Unhooked, and it's written by a non-Christian, um, somebody who's not trying to follow God at all, but she pulled all of these college women. It was basically on the, on the hookup culture. She pulled all of these college women and asked them to describe last night's hookup for her in words, and these are some of the words that were used. Awkward, used, dirty, empty, regretful, ashamed, alone, miserable, disgusted or duped. Guys, again, th this isn't even 
people that are trying to follow God, but the reality is they still feel the brokenness. They still feel this shakab. They're feeling the fakeness of it. So even as they're doing it, um, and even as they're engaging in sexual activity, they feel the emptiness that it creates. So whenever I think about this, I think about an illustration, and hopefully it'll help you guys too, but God's design for sex is kind of like a fire in a fireplace. You might have heard this before, but Whenever I think about a fireplace, we have a fireplace in our home, and I, like, love building fires. Well, I don't really build them. Jeremy does. But I love enjoying the fire that he builds. But whenever it stays in the fireplace, it's amazing. It, like, is so warm in our house. I snuggle up with a blanket right next to it, and it, like, brings light, and it's awesome. But as soon as if that fire came out of the fireplace, it would wreak havoc all over our entire house, right? Like, you don't want the fire outside the fireplace. And the same is true whenever we think about God's design for sexuality. God has created sexuality and sex to be in a certain way, just like a fire is meant to stay in a fireplace. But whenever we go outside of that design, it truly does wreak havoc in our lives. And my guess is a lot of you have experienced that. I've experienced it firsthand. I've experienced the sexual brokenness that can come whenever we do things outside of God's design. But I don't want you guys to have that. I want you to get to experience this yada love. Okay, the fourth view, though, we're headed for home now, is view number four. God is the true answer to our sexual desire. God is the true answer to our sexual desire. Okay, there's a love story in the Bible. I'm going to spare you all all the beginning details because it can be kind of complicated, but you should go look it up. It's in Genesis, but it's about Jacob and Leah and Rachel. So those are our three characters that we're going to talk about. And essentially, a lot happens, but it's like total drama in this story, you guys. Like, it's kind of crazy to me. This is in the Bible. There's jealousy, there's deceit, and there's so much romance. Um, But Jacob ends up married to Leah and to Rachel. Y'all, they're sisters, which, so it's like first version of sister wives, which is weird, and I'm like, it's just very unhealthy, obviously, as you guys can imagine, (laughs) Um, because he has two wives, and so he's married to both of these women, and basically, Leah, she can't have kids, or no, she can't have kids, sorry, Leah can have kids, and she can have lots and lots and lots of kids, Um, And so she thinks, like, okay, if I can just give Jacob enough kids, then maybe he'll love me. Because in the Bible, the verse literally says Jacob just did not love Leah, which is so sad to think about. And so she's thinking, okay, how can I earn my husband's love? I'm just going to give him as many kids as possible. And so she uses sex to try to earn his love. And if I'm being honest, I'm a lot like Leah. I can do that all the time. Just use something physical to try to get love from someone else. Um, But then there's Rachel on the other side, and she has Jacob's love. Like, Jacob is so in love with her. It's one of those dreamy things. But the reality is she can't have kids. And so she just keeps thinking in her head, okay, how do I get, how do I get to have kids? Like, if I could just have a kid, then I would be happy. Then I would feel fulfilled. But with both of these sisters, with both the women in the Bible, What they're trying to do is they're trying to get from sex something that was never intended to come from sex. They're using sex to try to feel fulfilled and satisfied, and it's falling short for both of them. Because really, whether you believe it or not, your sexual desire is more deeply 
a desire to be known and loved. I'm going to say that again. Whether you believe it or not, your sexual desire is more deeply just a desire to be known and to be loved. Psalm 139, 1 through 4 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible, you guys. Because I don't know if you can see this, but the intentionality of the Lord in these verses is unmatched. Like, I have an amazing godly husband that I prayed for for years, who I love so much. But Jeremy has no idea how many times I've sat down and stood up today. Like, he has no clue, which I'm like, yeah, I don't want you to. But I'm like, God does. God knows every single time that I sit down and that I stand up. He knows every tear that I cry. He knows every thought that I think. And he knows me better than anyone else. And so even in marriage, even in whenever I get to have sex, I'm like, it still doesn't match how intimately the Lord knows me. Only the Lord is the one who can meet the deepest desire of our hearts and our sexual desire. Okay, so we just went through a lot, so I'm recapping for a second. But the views of sexuality are God made sexuality, made us sexual beings. God has a design for sex, and it actually points to him. God has created our sexuality, and it is good, and God is the true answer to our sexuality. Okay, so discuss with the people around you really quick which of these views stood out to you the most. Earlier, I covered what the world has to say about our sexuality, and Caddy just talked about what God says, no boys allowed. <laughs> Um, Caddy talked about what God has to say about our sexuality, but now we just want to really quickly tell you from experience of why choosing God's design for our sexuality really and truly is the best that we've ever had. And so from a single girl's perspective, there's kind of two questions that I feel like a lot of people ask, and I know that I have asked as well. The first one being <coughs> the thought process, I guess, into the question is, okay, I d decided that I want to pursue God's design for my sexuality, but what if there's no other guy out there that's doing that? Like, is this a waste of time? Why am I doing it if no other guy is? Well, I can promise you that's not true. Yesterday, there was a guys-only breakout that talked about, well, I don't know what they talked about because <laughs> I didn't go. <laughs> Something like this, but from a men's perspective. And so there are other guys out there, and I know from the number of weddings I've been in, from the number of friends I've had get married to incredible godly men, that there are guys out there and there are guys that deeply desire to live out God's design for their sexuality and they deeply desire for a future spouse to have lived that out as well. And if you don't believe me, then I hate to say it, but maybe you're just looking in the wrong places. And a great place to look when you get back to campus, and a shameless plug too, is to look at the other people who are getting involved in SUMO on your campus. Look around and see who are the guys that are continually showing up. Who are the guys that are faithful to the other guys around him who are probably also pursuing God's design for their sexuality? Another question, and this is the one that honestly like, I feel like I felt the deepest, is, okay, I I've made this decision, and I think that I really do want to pursue God's design for my sexuality. Like, I'm not going to have sex, but, like, what about everything else? 
Like, how far is too far? I know the girlies have asked this question before. And I really do want to just pose the thought in your mind of what if you really are asking the wrong question? <laughs> the boys keep trying to walk in here. Um, but I think we're asking the wrong questions. I remember, similar to what Kat had said, at Kaleo Women's Time was the first time I ever heard a girl talk about this topic. And one of the examples she actually talked about was this question. And I remember her saying how essentially what we do when we're asking this question, when we're living out this question, is we just kind of do whatever it takes. I'm not going to give the examples to turn us on or to make us aroused, get us horny, whatever verbiage you want to use. What we're doing is we're preparing our bodies for sex. So all of a sudden, it's like we're preparing our bodies for sex, doing whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. And then it's like, if this is sex, it's like, okay, I'll do this, 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 and this. But then it's like, once it hits here, time for sex, like, stop. Because if I cross that line, like, that's the no-no. Like, that's when I'll start to feel shame. Like, I can do all this. But then sex, intercourse, like, that's no-no. And if that happens, and if I mess up there, like, I'll start to feel shame. But what happens when... Like, I get married one day. A wedding ring isn't just going to immediately solve this thing that I've trained my body for years to do. Because two things can happen in marriage, then, if that's the way I'm training my body. One of them is, okay, I'm preparing my body for sex with my husband. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. And then it's, bam, time for sex. And then all of a sudden, I have sex with my husband, which is supposed to be a beautiful, intimate, and enjoyable thing. And all of a sudden, after I have sex with my husband, I feel shame. Because that's what I've trained my body all these years to do. Or another thing that could happen is, okay, I've trained my body, I'm ready, I'm preparing myself for sex, preparing myself for sex, and then it's time to actually have intercourse. And then all of a sudden, my body literally stops. Because I've trained it all these years to get ready for sex and stop. And I remember hearing her saying that and being like, wow, I've never thought about that before. And I don't want that to be true of my future marriage one day. I want to be able to enjoy sex, and I want it to feel good, if I'm being honest. Um, I remember, actually, this is really sweet. Nine years ago, to the day, I was at my very first SMC, and it was a talk very similar to the talk that um, happened last night. They were talking about what if you just took the step of faith and said, God, like, I'm giving you my life. I want to live for you, even though I have no idea what that looks like. And January 4th, 2016, I said, God, like, I'm tired of the way I'm living. Like, this is not enjoyable. I've tried my ways, and it's not working. I have no idea how to do this, but I want to live for you, and I want to live for your design in my life. And since that day, even not knowing what it would look like, I chose to live in God's design for all areas of my life, including my sexuality. And I wish I had truly the accurate words to describe and to tell you that it really is better. It's okay to still be single and to have a desire for sex. It's okay to still have sexual desire as a single person. But I know, like Caddy was saying, deeper than the sexual desire that I have really is a deep longing with inside of me to be deeply known and to be deeply loved and that is met in Jesus and I could stand up here and I could tell you hours of stories of how I've seen that be true in my life every single day but I really do want you girls to know and to believe that God's design is worth it and it really 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 is the best I've ever had yeah and then from the marriage perspective well I'm kind of giving you this because really I've only been married one year so I'm like 
<laughs> I was single, though, you guys, for 31 years of my life. And if I was going to draw up on a piece of paper all the things that I thought was going to happen in my life, it was not that to be single for that long. But the thing is, is that during that time, I'm so thankful for what God did in my life because I learned um, by, again, choosing God's design, just like what Ryan was saying, that it's just worth it. I didn't know if I would get married. Most of my friends were married. Again, come ask my story. I'd love to tell it to you. Longer version. But I'm like, most of my friends were already married by the time I got married. But I don't regret a single instance where I chose to do things God's way. Um, because looking my now husband in the eyes and having to tell him, like, man, Jer, like, I wish that I could tell you that I saved myself for marriage. Like, I wish I could tell you. Whew, makes me get weepy even thinking about it. Um, I wish I could tell you that I waited, that I got to give you that gift um, to my now husband. But I couldn't tell him that. But I could tell him, you guys, that whenever I started to live by God's authority, whenever I began to trust in Christ, not that I did it perfectly by any means, but I tried really hard to follow God's design, that I believed him at his word, and that I did things that were honoring to God, so that for the sake of Jeremy Leach, I'm like, that for years and years, I said no to my sexual desire outside of God's design so that I could say yes to him. So again, I'm like, it just gives such confidence going into marriage. I, again, I didn't do it all perfect, but God just redeemed what had been broken in my life through sexual brokenness. It's now where I'm so thankful that I chose, once I started following Christ, to honor God's design for sexuality. Because now, even in my marriage, I get to have sex. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, and, and the reality is I don't have to feel scared anytime me or Jeremy fight because we're in a covenant marriage. He's not going anywhere. Whenever I'm literally nine months pregnant and look like a beach whale, I'm like, I don't, I don't have to worry that Jeremy's looking at some other girl because Jeremy is a godly man who's also committed to doing things by God's design. And so he's guarding his eyes. He is choosing to walk in purity. And one day, whenever we get to tell sweet little Lydia Leach about God's design for sexuality, we're both going to tell her it's so worth it to do things the way that God designed. Because it truly, truly is. Just like what Ryan was saying, it's the best that we've ever had. And so we didn't want to leave you guys with no application, but we're going to go real quick through this because we're on our last little leg here. But there's three places we wanted to tell you to look if you're looking um, for a way to apply this. Look up, look in, and look out. There's actually questions on your handout, but not all of you have that, so I'll <laughs> run through them super quickly. Um, but maybe if you have somebody next to you who has a handout, take a picture of their handout. Uh, but the first place is to look up. Look up to God and confess your sin to him. Confess your sexual brokenness to him and really accept his forgiveness. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God is ready to forgive our sexual brokenness. Look in and be honest with yourself. Ask yourself where you've been and evaluate where it's, where it's gotten you so far. What do you need to change? What do you need to start doing? What do you need to stop doing? And what relationships do you need to end in your life? And then finally, look out. Ask yourself who's going to help you. Even like the breakout, not breakout, the main session this morning, um, we can't do it alone. We need people around us. 
So what friends can you confide in? Is counseling a good next step to help you work through your sexual brokenness? Or who is a spiritual leader that can give you real accountability to help you make a plan to live out God's design for sexuality? So take a second and write down, or with the people around you, right before we leave, tell them what your next step will be in pursuing God's design for sexuality. Okay, we're finished up. Y'all can head to campus time, but make sure you tell someone your application step. We love you guys. We're thankful for girls time.